All right. All right. It's one thing about we all of our church that we got friendly people. Come on. And then you know you visit long enough, you find out you're you're related. That's that can be dangerous sometimes. By the way, we do not shake babies at this church. We don't want any lawsuits, you know. But uh, it's it's so good to be here this morning with you in, in Crowley. Only good-looking people come to Crowley. Come on. And uh, I, I'm so excited. I know that many of you for, you know, the, the last seven months, you've been without just a, a, a pastor. You've been, you've had pastors, all right? You've had Pastor Josh, Pastor JJ, myself, even Zach once, I think, came through in the last seven. Y'all, how, how'd y'all like Pastor Jamie, bald-headed J- pastor? All right. Yeah, I love Jamie, too. The devil loves Jamie, but anyway, he has a hard time hating him, but anyway. But, you know, the thing is, is that with every church, you know, uh, I pastored now, I've senior pastored for over 20 years and pastored uh, many, many other years before that and traveled. And, and one thing I've seen in churches when you don't have a healthy, you know, back early in the early days, you know, when I say early days, the 80s and the 90s, it was all about the man. It was all about the preacher. But, you know, sometimes I believe this as a church. You need, it's like a family. If it's a family, you need a healthy mother and a healthy father. And I just think it goes so much better when you have that. You have a, a woman that loves God, that has a heart to minister, a heart to share, and a man of God that can walk humbly and serve his wife and serve his family and serve the church. And so this morning, Without, you know, like some, I've heard people, this is a Forrest Gump church. You never, it's like getting a box of chocolate. You never know who you're going to get. Well, we're going to change that this morning because this morning I just want to announce to you that we're going to install Pastor JJ and Esther as, it, as the pastors here at our, our Savior's Church Crowley. Come on, are y'all a little excited? All right. They're not going back. Okay. Okay, they're going back. I, I just want to say this. I've known them for almost 15 years now. And uh, in South Africa, and this, this is funny, this shirt, I, I didn't realize this, but this shirt, the first time I ever preached this shirt, a guy gave it to me. He was in South Africa. And just to see what God has done through Esther and JJ, even the journey of getting here, and being here and just the process of God working in their hearts to fall in love with you as people and to fall in love with this church and to say, hey, we want to put our hands to the plow and labor and believe God's vision for this area and for this place. Amen. And so God groomed them all the way from South Africa to come to Crowley, Louisiana. What a only God. You know, only God. They didn't come here just for this. I mean. I told J.J., I said, man, God, it may take you, you're going to come to South Louisiana. That's not like the rest of the United States. It's like we are a country within the country. And you've got to understand the way people talk here. And then we have to understand the way you talk. And so they're from the other side of the Nepeke. I just want to say that. But uh, at this time, I'm just going to ask Chuck to come up. We're just going to 
just going to pray over them. And as you as a church, just extend your hands. And I'm sure JJ and Esther are going to say something. And, and uh, we, we do want to get you out of here. But can, here's the thing I'm going to ask you before we pray. Can you please just try to keep it a secret for the people coming in the second service? I know it's going to be hard. I mean, for some of you, oh, Pastor Bubba, you know. Loose lips seek ships. I'm gonna my loop my loops are my lips are loose, and I, they're free. Well, just can you just have a little self control so other people can have excitement? Please don't post it yet. Some of you already have. You can't. It's hard to keep secrets in in in, in South Louisiana. I'll just say, but if you could, just please control yourself, and uh, we'll let you hug on them. You know, don't rub too long with all this corona stuff. But, you know, I want to say something about that. God's not, okay, God didn't wake up this morning. Oh, man, there's corona going down there. God didn't wake up surprised. But he woke up knowing this morning that every one of us, we don't have to walk in fear. We can walk in faith. We can believe God for what he has. Just like you believe for pastors, we can believe that God can keep us and, and keep us whole. So. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Esther, for JJ. God, that you put your hand upon them years ago. God, when they came to know you, that you just began to put vision in their heart and direction. And I remember talking to them over a year ago and how they felt like God's called them to go to another land, another place, another country. Little did they know they would be here in Louisiana and Crowley. But God, you've groomed them for this place and for this people to love them, to bless them. And God, for people to be a blessing to them and their precious children. So Father, we we just place your mantle. We just believe the mantle of your anointing would come even right now and rest upon them fresh, new, in a powerful way to speak to see this region changed, to bring the harvest that you promised, not just a rice harvest, but a people harvest. As people have cried and as people have believed over the years, God, that you would bring harvest into this place, I pray that you would use them in a mighty way, just as you've used them, God, in South Africa. God, Esther, with meeting women and students and having revival in the youth when she was young and for JJ to be able to minister to many men and women throughout South Africa and other countries and campuses and colleges but Lord now you've you've turned this thing around that they would come and they would be pastors to minister to your precious people and we thank you for them and the call of God that's upon their life and we just hold it dear Lord, we believe that you're going to use them like they've never been used before. And we so we pray every blessing. We pray every protection over them and their precious children. And all decisions have to be made. And they're going to be made. Moving here, where, what house, what place, all those things that they're going to do and that's in the process. We just thank you for them and bless them in your name, Jesus. And everybody agree with that? Say, I agree.
So dat is één ding wat ik graag zou wou sê, maar ik weet niet of jullie gaan verstaan nie. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, anybody has a tongue interpretation <laughs> gift <laughs> right now? We, we really need the gift of interpretation right now. <laughs> I think it's all you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Until I learned how to speak savage American. I'm just missing. <laughs> I, I'll, I won't say much. I'll, I'll just say that it is amazing what God can do. And um, like you've been praying for someone to come here, we've been praying, you know, what we should do. And we are, we are not people that will just jump at an opportunity because there's a, a need. We had to wait for God to, you know, first speak to us, and He did. And when God speaks to you and He gives you a word, that keeps you grounded, you know, and when things get tough or that when things doesn't go the way you want it to go, you have that word from God, and that's what you stand on. So we are so pumped to be in Crowley. <laughs> My family asked me, so that's another town? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, it's not Jennings, it's another town. And um, <clears throat> we really just fell in love with you guys. I refuse to say y'all. <laughs> <coughs> you should get there. I'm sorry, you guys. And I'm um, <laughs> so excited to get to know all of you. And um, you have to come eat at my house. I don't have one yet, but when I do, <laughs> you have to come eat at my house. And we'd love to get to know you, love to walk with you guys. And um, just so excited to reach this town and this region with you for God. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> It's an awesome privilege. It's a scary privilege to um, step into a, in, into these shoes, but it's it's by the grace of God, and that's the big thing for each and every one of us. If you step into God's call of your on your life, you're never going to do it in your own strength. It's always going to be by His grace, and it's always going to be by His power and His strength. and And we're just so dependent on that. We're so dependent on God's Holy Spirit to help us. And we're dependent on people's prayer and people um, loving us as well. And so as much as we're here to minister to you, we want you to know that we believe God has placed you in this church to also minister to us and to, to pray for us and to, and, and, and to carry us because we are human. We go through the same things uh, that everybody else is going through. And so we are excited to build a community in this city that becomes a redemptive force for God's kingdom to every p aspect of this region. And uh, we would like to invite you guys to walk with us and to figure out how that and what that means for you and how we're going to go about doing that in this region. And so with us being involved in a church that has three campuses and is being led by Pastor Josh uh, as our senior pastor, and Pastor Bubba is our founding pastor and father to our, our local lead pastors. Um, we believe we've got a winning team. We believe we've got a team that can make a big impact in this city. Uh, oh, sorry, in this region. But a team is only as strong as its weakest link. And uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so that's why we need to build everybody. Everybody needs to grow. It's going to take a whole village to raise up a whole city. Uh, Pastor Willem always used to tell me, it takes a church to build a city. 
and to build a region. And so that's what we believe God is calling us to do, is to build this region, build it economically, build it spiritually, build it governance-wise, build every aspect of its going and about, and be involved in that. And so it doesn't matter what area of life you're in, we want to be involved in that. Because how many of you know the education world needs Jesus? How many of you know that our infrastructure needs Jesus? Our municipalities needs Jesus. How many of you know that our response teams needs Jesus? Amen. And so it doesn't matter where you're serving in life, Jesus wants to get in there. And we hope to help you bring him into every sphere of your life as well as, uh, as over here at church. And so thank you for the warm reception. We, b- we have an interjection. Um, okay, let's make time for that uh, at the end. Okay. I want to jump in real quick because I want to bring you the Word of God this morning. So let's all just pray as we get our hearts receptive for His Word. Father, we thank You that as we go into Your Word, that You will transform hearts and lives here today. Lord, we know that it is not the power of man that transforms lives, but it's the power of Your Holy Spirit. Father, You said in Your Word that You leave the Holy Spirit with us because He will guide us into all truth. And so, Father, we just pray now that, Holy Spirit, you'll be present in our midst and you will help us, Lord, to receive your word as truth, as reality, as reality that far exceeds any other reality that we might be experiencing right now, so that your word will bring a transforming power to us to live according to faith and to trust in you and who you are, Father. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's title is, Who Am I When I'm Afraid? And we are in a relationship series, and this is week two, and we'll have another week after this. And uh, we wanted just to respond by bringing God's Word into the perspective, into the picture of what's going on. I want to start off quickly with just a a couple of facts that's been been going around. And most of you know these facts, but I'm just going to run through them, kind of uh, because we know that um, our news uh, cable lines and all those things are, are, are telling us that we're busy dealing with a global pandemic of a virus called the corona that has been spreading and it has been wrecking havoc everywhere it's going, um, not just because of its, uh, the way it affects people, people's <coughs> respiratory systems, but the way it affects their minds. And so we wanted to make sure that we respond well. We respond like children of God in a time like this. And so I read uh, that uh, there's a beer called Corona. I don't know if you know about that. And I, I don't know if they're going to make it. But <laughs> no, they will probably make it because <laughs> it's a beer company, let's be honest. But <clears throat> sales of the Corona beer dropped so hectically that <laughs> you know, it made front, front page news. And uh, um, it's all sorts of memes popping up about you know, having, the, having the Corona beer there and everything. So it's, it's been, uh, there's been some funny sides to this also. But in all seriousness, we've been dealing with uh, um, thousands, hundreds of thousands of cases of people being infected by this virus. And there have been a significant number of deaths as well related to it. So it is no joking matter, and it isn't something that we should take lightly, because our response determines our destiny. And if we respond correctly, we can curtail its effects, and that's what we're trying to do. So, however, all over the show, borders are closing down, travel are being impacted, um, you know, events are being canceled, and you've heard the news, I don't need to... To, to go into that in too much detail. Um, <clears throat> in other news, you know, you, you can't find TP in stores anymore. And um, so if you, if you have a year's worth of TP, do not be selling it for profit. That's wrong, okay? <laughs> 
Be generous with what you've been able to acquire in your life. If there is a neighbor who has a trouble, uh, has a has a has a um, has a trouble, has a uh, an emergency. Let me just say it like that. <laughs> you know, I had all sorts of visual pictures going on in my mind, but I wasn't going to share those. Um, <coughs> in times like this, it's easy to just descend into panic and disorder and chaos. If you do not have the right perspective about who you are, and so that's why as a part of our identity series, we thought it best for us to just address this whole thing called fear, because fear, our response tells us how we respond, how we believe about ourselves. Proverbs uh, 23, 7, like we said last week, was, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what you consider be to be true of yourself is unfortunately going to get revealed in your reactions and in your responses to everything in life. Um, and uh, so we want us as a family of churches to just really know that we are children of God. We are children of God. We have a dad. Say, I have a dad. And he knows me. He knows where I am. He knows what I need. And I can respond as a child that has security, as a child that does not have to be insecure about what's going on around me because I have a father. And he is present with me by his Holy Spirit. Am I right? Every single believer has the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of their hearts. And we're going to talk about that in a while as well. Um, but it's an opportunity when everybody else around you is, you know, crazy and fearful. It's an opportunity to show them how to live with faith and how to allow the peace of God to guide your steps, which becomes a testimony. My zoology professor, believe it or not, I studied zoology and biochemistry in college. Um, those are my majors. I have a three-year science degree. Um, and uh, he always used to say this. He says, like, you know, when everybody else around you is freaking out and, and, and you're, not, you're not, get someone to explain the situation to you. <laughs> so it was like, you know, he was saying there's no other way. You know, if everybody is freaking out, everybody should be freaking out. But that is not true. Um, that's not true. We do not need to be freaking out because he might not have had a daddy, but I certainly do have one. I have a father, and I trust my father, and that helps me to respond correctly, appropriately, and correctly. And so at a time like this that the church is really called upon to stand strong and to let our light shine and to not now go and forget all the teachings that we've been getting all of these you know, years about how to respond in crisis and how to live in faith, but it's now time to actually apply that. And so every Sunday when you come, you get spiritual tools and weapons and things to fight a warfare with outside there. And this is the times that we need to apply those things. This is not the time where we go, all right, let's go and try to see, you know, what other, you know, information we can get. No, we've been getting information. We've been getting advice. We've been getting wisdom. It's now a time to apply. It's now a time to take up that sword and start wielding it. Take up that shield and start showing the enemy that you're protected and you can keep going. So, um, <clears throat> but think about a virus and how such a small thing can wreak such, such a, 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 a big um, you know, amount of havoc in society, I want to liken that unto a fear unto a virus. Because if you think about it, if the virus, the coronavirus works like this. It comes into your body either through, um, you know, through a, a, a moisture that's in the air that carries the virus. And so that's why it's important to cover up when you're sneezing or when you're whatever, you, you know, all those things and wash your hands regularly because it, it gets transferred like that. Um, but when it gets into your body, it comes and sits in your respiratory system. And then what it starts doing is it starts attacking your lung tissue. 
and your body then goes into an immune response because that's what the body does with foreign uh, objects and foreign um, you know, intruders. But what happens is your body goes into an overdrive response, and instead of just attacking the virus, it starts attacking you. And so it's, it's an it's a over-exaggerated response to something that entered that shouldn't be there. Does that look, sound familiar right now? And that's exactly what fear does. Fear comes, and however it gets transmitted to you through somebody, you know, actually getting sick or somebody, you know, sneezing next to you or, or, or somebody just giving you a bad tiding. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the stock market goes like this and everybody goes, well, there goes my retirement, you know. And <clears throat> that's how fear comes to us. It comes to us in the form of a message, a message that says you're in danger. And then we start responding to that fear and at first we might respond correctly but sometimes we go in overdrive and we start becoming irrational and we start doing things that we would never have done if we remained sober-minded and that's what we want to avoid we want to avoid that over-exaggerated response to fear because that makes us do stupid things high emotions low clarity and so um, just fear this virus um, comes and it makes your body overreact and causing yourself more harm, in fact, than it is actually saving you. And our responses to fear in every part of life, and let's be honest, let's be honest, fear was there before Corona came. Fear has been there forever, you know, and uh, this hasn't been the first like health scare that there's been in life. There has been quite a few and a number of them in the past and in each one of these junctures we have an opportunity to act like children of God or to act like kids who do not have a father and I'm hoping today that you would make all seriousness to doesn't matter what fear situation you're facing right you would act appropriately I'm going to give you two three tools today that'll help you to curtail an over-exaggerated response to fear. It doesn't matter in what scenario you find yourself, where it is the current crisis or whether it's future, whether it's health-related, financially-related, relationally-related, no matter what area of life fear comes to you, you can actually eliminate fear and have a proper response, a faithful response. So 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you know who he always targets? He first targets the weak. And then after that, he targets the confused. And sometimes after that, he will target those who are strong because he does target them too at times. But most often, he targets the weak. He targets the confused. And that's why it's so important for you to keep your peace. Because if you keep your peace, you can keep a straight mind. And the minute you get disorientated and you start just, you know, rashly doing things, he goes, ah, vulnerable, vulnerable person. Let's go and spread more lies. Let's go and add more fear and angst and anxiety to that person because we're going to be able to take that one out. So we need to be aware because he looks at our actions. He can't see what's going on in your mind, but he sees every action that you do. He can look at your life and he can consider the pattern that he's observing and he'll know when to do what he needs to do. 
because he studies us. He studies our responses. And that's why our response, sometimes you might be fearing inside. Sometimes you might be like, oh my goodness, I am freaking out on the inside. Just don't let your face know. Just don't let your face know. Now, it's different when you're with safe people, when you're among your people. When, that you need to have, be able to say what you really feel when you're amongst your inner circle of people so that you can be transparent, vulnerable, but you can also get help. But don't let the devil see that you're freaking out. That's how you keep your response um, tempered and how you remain sound-minded so that you can listen still and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't scream at us. He guides us. But we need to be attentive to His Spirit and responsive to it because that's how we're going to make it through in the end. All right, so I want to take and look at a, at a, at a, at a in scenario in Scripture where the disciples were freaking out. Okay, so it's Matthew 8, and I'll just tell you the story. They were in a boat um, crossing the and am I cutting out a lot? I'm going to put this in the... Are you getting this? Good. All right. Let's to go down on the bass a little. <laughs> I don't normally sound this <clears throat> sexy. <laughs> I do. Thanks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're in Matthew. We're in Matthew eight, verse twenty-six. I'm going to read verse twenty-six. But the disciples were experiencing a storm and so it was waves everywhere it was a pretty scary situation and they start freaking out you know they're you know trying to get water out and they're starting doing irrational things i could just imagine that moment like you know they're trying to scoop the water out with their hands <laughs> what's that gonna do you know <laughs> think where did you put the bucket okay <laughs> so it's often in these like really intense scary moments where we start doing irrational things things that really don't work and if you would calm yourself down, just get a grip on your heart. I always tell my girls, catch your heart. It's running away from you. Catch it. All right, are you calm? All right, now let's think about this. Where's the bucket? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll put the bucket in that, you know, uh, in the cabin over there. Okay, now go get the bucket, right, and then start scooping out water. Because the water needs to get scooped, no doubt. But <laughs> there's better ways to do these things than when you're in a frenzy and you're not thinking straight, right? And so Jesus is in the boat with them. How many of you would rather be in a boat, in a storm, but Jesus being with you than on land and not, being, not having him close to you? Now, be careful. Just don't, don't just say yes. But think about it. They had the creator of all those waves and whatnots, you know, with them in that boat, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him yet fully at that point. We don't have that benefit of ignorance. We know who He is. We know who is living on the inside of our hearts. All right? It's the God of this universe. And we can't claim ignorance. It's like, ah, in, 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 in a language back home, we say, hakis. 
It means I did not know. You know, we can't say that. We know. We know the God we serve. We know His power. We know His testimony, the Scriptures, that speaks about His amazing, amazing faithfulness to us and the promises of God that says to us that I am with you in time of need. Call on me in your time of trouble. I will save you and you will honor. We know these things, right? But anyways, the disciples are there and Jesus is with them and He's still trying to get them to believe who He is. And at some point, it says he, he woke up because they were like, Jesus! Jesus! Help us! You know, they were freaking out. And, and, and what I read from this scripture, now Jesus never sinned, I know, but that doesn't mean that he never got frustrated. He never sinned, but that doesn't mean he never got angry. He never sinned, that does not mean that things didn't irritate him. Okay? I think he was pretty irritated at this point. Because... How many of you wake up irritated, you know, from a nap that you got disturbed in, all right? I certainly do. Like, I do stupid things. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've said some stupid things to my kids that I had to later on go and say, like, I'm so sorry I said that. I, I, I shouldn't have said that. But Jesus wakes up, and his response is this. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? So he stood up, and he rebuked the storm and said, be still. And instantly, it became perfectly calm. Now, can I just, can I just act this little scene out for you a little? A little? Because I, I, think, I think it was like, you know, Jesus was like waking up and he's like, you know. And so naturally, he became suddenly aware of all the, you know, the chaos around him. All right. And I'm thinking he's just looking at this chaos and trying to make sense of it all. And then all of a sudden, he becomes aware of this, you know, disciple in the ear. Jesus! And he's like, you know, looking up and there is, I don't know who it was that woke him up, but somebody who has death written all over their face, you know. And so imagine you knowing that you're Jesus, you know, you're the author of life, you know. The ones that you love are looking at you with the face of death. And you just go in your mind, why? Why are you looking at me with that face? Don't you know who I am? Right, so I think Jesus is like, why are you so afraid? <laughs> I don't think he was somewhat irritated and somewhat surprised. Clearly, you don't know who it is in the, in the boat with you. Now, think of this. This boat is going everywhere, right? It's being, you know, tossed to and fro with waves. And, and so Jesus is lying down. And so no doubt he has to get up and try to, you know, balance himself. So I think he's kind of like, you know, he's hanging on to the mast. mast and he's trying to, you know, get his balance and all. And, and at some point, I think Jesus just went like, wait, hang on. I can do something about all these shaking, you know. And I was like, I think he just went like, hey, be still. I'm talking here. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything went still. And he was like, thank you. <laughs> Guys, seriously? Seriously? After all this time? It helps us to know that Jesus was not afraid of the storm. He was experiencing it. Man, come on. He was human. He had to balance in that ship. He had to try and get himself up. And then, but you know what? At some point, Jesus just got fed up with the situation. And he was just like, enough already. I'm, 
I'm trying to stay in here. And we need to know that that God is in our hearts. He lives within us. And it doesn't matter if your ship is shaken. At some point, Jesus is going to say, all right, that's enough. And you're going to be preserved in the end. God's got us. And we need to listen to this um, because sometimes we know it, but we don't live it. Right? And, 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 and whenever there comes a, a new threat of danger, we doubt whether the previous information we received about God is going to be valid for now. All right, let's just recognize this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he saved the disciples back then, he's going to save us right now. And we can trust in him. We can trust in him. Now, if you turn away from trust, you're turning away from God. And you're trying to latch on to something else that's going to give you the certainty and the security that you want. In Psalm 78, it says, For they turned away from faith, and they walked away in fear. They failed to trust in His power to help them when He was near. God is near, guys. He's near us. He's walking right next to us. He's called Emmanuel, God with us. God is walking with you. He's walking with you. We do not have to be afraid. I want to give you the three keys that we believe. If you will live this, it'll help you to have appropriate response. Now, we, went, we came in this morning and we arranged with the cinema. That, hey, guys, could you just make real sure that the cinema is clean, that the bathrooms are clean? Can you make sure that you spread some Lysol and make some disinfectant happening, right? We took appropriate action. When we came in, we were like, hey, let's, let's, let's limit person-to-person -person contact. Let's make sure we're actually doing the right thing to stop unnecessary transfer of, you know, it doesn't even have to be the coronavirus. It could be anything, right? And so we took appropriate action. But we're still here, right? And I want you to see that there is not no action that gets taken. And there's not like living in oblivion or living in hey, we're, we're in la-la land and we're not really on earth and we're not actually experiencing reality and we're living in a dream world. No, we're not. We're living in this world. We understand this world. We live it every day. But we're not allowing this world's deficiencies to completely dominate our existence. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us in our response. And so as we speak about these things, realize that, yes, you have to respond. You have to do something. The water still needs to get taken out of the ship. But there are ways to go about doing that that will give life back to you and keep you in your peace. So sorry, let's go into one. The first one is the fear of God. How can the fear of God help us in times of fear? You have to understand what the fear of God means. The fear of God does not mean that you're scared of Him. If you're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you ought to be scared of Him. But if you're a child of God, the fear of God means that you are rightly judging who He is. You are acknowledging well who He is and what He's capable of. And that creates in you a respect for Him. That helps you to put other things in perspective. In other words, you're not measuring him against whatever giant you're facing and thinking, oh my goodness, I have no chance in life against this giant. 
you're measuring God against anything that you're facing and you're going, I'm sorry, my God is simply bigger than you. I know you're scary. I know you're real. I know you do, do dangerous things. But you know what? My God is still bigger than you. That's the fear of God. It's rightly acknowledging and judging who he is and gives you perspective of where other things fall in the pecking order. God is at the top of the food chain, y'all. He's not afraid of anything. And guess what? He's your and my dad. He stands with us in every trial. He stands with us against every fear. And he is on our side. So in, in, uh, in, in Numbers 21, there is an instance where Israel failed to trust in God and walk according to his principles. And they tried something different. And they were punished. And God sent snakes into the camp. And people were dying because of the snake bites. And so basically... What the solution was that God gave Moses was that he needed to mold a snake out of gold or bronze. It was bronze. And then he, he needed to lift up the snake above all the other snakes around him. And then if everybody would look to the snake, the bronze snake that Moses was lifting up, they would be healed of their, of the, of their snake bites and they would not die. Well, that is a picture of us going and saying, hey, let's, uh, let's lift up the right fear. Let's approach God correctly in a time where we're seeing dangerous things around us. And as we will look to God in these situations, we will be um, preserved. We will be preserved. So in John 3 verse 14, it says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. And you know what? It, it's true for our eternal life, but you know when eternal life starts? It starts now. The Bible says eternal life is not someday in the great by and by. It's actually when you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's when you enter into eternal life. And so our lives are literally put in the hand of God and He protects us. He guides us. Um, and everything that we did that, you know, would, would um, justify us needing to, to be punished was nailed to that same cross. And so even if you find yourself in a place where you're not, you know, you, don't, you haven't done it all perfect, you haven't done it all right, God's grace is, is literally putting out a hand to you today and say, hey, let me, let me give you a hand up. He wants to connect with you and say to you, I am here, I am for you, and if you will allow me, I will lift you up out of this fear or this challenge that you're currently experiencing. So you defeat fear with a greater fear. You defeat the current fear that you're facing by looking with fear to the one who's able to save you. That's the first point. The first, the first cure for fear is the fear of God. Proverbs 19 verse 23 says, Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Fear of the Lord leads to life. If we rightly judge who God is in our lives and in perspective to everything else, it will lead to life. People, It will lead us to life. Now, the spirit of fear brings loss. It brings loss. This, like they said, um, my brother is a financial broker. And, uh, you know, when, when, when the stock market went like this, um, the, all of his clients were calling him. Hey, man, I just lost thousands and thousands of rand. 
rand is our currency. And my brother went, why, did you sell your stock? He said, no, but did you see the stock market crashed? And he goes like, wait, wait, hold up, stop right there. Did you sell your stock? No, I didn't. Then you, didn't lo- then you haven't lost anything. You haven't lost anything. It will recover. It will jump back up. And over time, it'll grow. If you remain calm right now and not act on the fear, you will not lose a cent. Because this happens all throughout history. The stock market goes like this. And then a couple of months, year from now, two years, you see that it's recovered and it's grown above the level from where it fell a short while ago. But if you take it out right now, you sell it at the junk price and you will lose all that you've, you've put in there right now. And so now's not a time to act in fear. Now's the time to actually stick, just stick it out and trust God that He's got you. And in time, that thing will, will recover. That's how we lose. Um, I mean, and, and, and literally, I, had a, I read a, a tweet of a guy. He's a, he's a millionaire. He, and he said this. He said this. I just feel it's my moral responsibility to say this to people out there. Do not sell your stock right now because I'm a rich person and I'm going to lick those stocks up like this. Don't give me what you've worked for hard for over the last couple of years. Don't give it to me now. You're not going to sell it at the right price. And so that's how people make money. When everybody else is fearing, they're looking for opportunities to buy people's things that are freaking out and they're doing the wrong things financially. Oh, I need to just get all my money out right now. Well, you're going to sell it at a junk price and somebody else is going to, two years from now, make massive amounts of money because he got your money at the wrong price. That's what fear does to us. It makes us do irrational things at the wrong times and it makes us lose. But faith and trust in God preserves us and keeps us. Second, the word of God. The first thing, how do you fight fear? You fight it with a greater fear. You fight it by fearing the one who is above it all. Second is the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes to us by hearing, and hearing comes to us by the word of God. Faith comes to us by hearing the message concerning Christ is another translation. When it refers to us getting saved. First and foremost, you hear that Jesus Christ died for you through the church or through a friend. And that plants in you a seed of faith that helps you respond yes to trust Jesus with your salvation. But in every scenario that helps. You hear that, hey, God can help you with your marriage. And that plants the seed of faith in your heart that if you respond on that seed of faith and say yes to it, He will help you in your marriage. Faith works like that for every single thing that we go through in life. But you have to take that seed of faith. And what did Jesus said? If you had seed, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, You don't need a whole lot of faith. You just need a seed of faith because the seed of faith enables you to trust God and follow along with what He's doing. And as you're following along with what He's doing, He brings restoration. He brings healing. But it just takes you to take that little seed and just trust in it and just say, yes, Lord, I will walk with you and I will see how you will help me in this. The problem is fear comes to us in exactly the same way. Fear comes to us by hearing. And hearing a message from Satan. Not just Satan, y'all. Sometimes your best friend. Sometimes your pastor, when he's not thinking straight. It doesn't matter where fear comes from. It doesn't come from God, amen? And as such, it is a message that you ought to just get out of your mind. And reject out of your heart. 
Because when that fear comes and places its seed, you start trusting what? You start trusting the power of the enemy and not the power of God. It works exactly the same like faith does. And you start not trusting God, but you start trusting something else is going to happen that is more strong than, than is stronger than God. And that's why we have to be careful with the messages we receive. We have to be careful with when we, when we read the news, we have to have a good amount of God's truth with us in our hearts so that we will be able to say, well, I'm going to trust this seed of faith, not this seed of fear, right? And so the Word of God becomes so important in these times. And I want, I want us to, today to do some faith confessions. How many of you have ever done faith confessions? All right, so this is a powerful powerful way to let the word of God enter into your heart is when you recite his word for yourself. You, you, you own God's word for yourself by saying it out loud. And we're going to do that in a second. But before we do that, I want to read you something that um, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote way back in the day when the atom bomb was developed. And so the atom bomb got developed and all of a sudden everybody thought, we're all going to die. You know, it's the end of the world as we know it, right? And so C.S. Lewis writes this. He writes, um, In any fierce situation, let us not begin by exaggerating the novelty of the situation. What he's saying is basically, hey, fear's been around, people. It's been around. Global crises have been around. And guess what? We're still here. Right? Let's not make this a novel thing. Like it's the first time ever this has happened. And because it's such a novelty, who knows, you know, we can never recover from it. He says, believe me, sir, madam, you and all uh, whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic, dom, uh, atomic bomb was ever invented. Think about that perspective. <laughs> He's saying, hey, death is part of life. At some point, everybody is going to die. It's like it's not something we can escape. So by, by making us overtly focus on death right now, it's almost like unnecessary. It's like, hey, it's been here, people. <laughs> people have been going all around us all the time. And not everybody has been living out throughout, you know, till old age. And so he just makes the point that it's over-exaggerated to think of death as something that is like so dangerous. Because it's just there. Just leave it there. Let's not freak out about it. But then he says something that is just so, so amazing that I felt ministered to me. He said, here's a point I want to make. The first action to be taken for us is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb... Let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, playing tennis, chatting to our friends, changing nappies, bathing the children, um, visiting with friends over a pint and um, playing a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about atomic bombs. What he's saying is, and he, and he closes, they may break our bodies. And who knows? Sickness may break people's bodies. But we are not going to let it dominate our minds. We're not going to make every conversation that we're having from now on about the coronavirus. Please. All right? Please. 
Let not every conversation you have with people around you be about the challenge that you're facing. That is making the challenge bigger than what it really is. There is life beyond your challenge. And if you will focus on what God is doing in your life, right? What he, the good that is happening in your life, you will be able to be aware of this, respond appropriately, but carry on having a blessed life. Come on. And that's, what, that's why we need the Word of God in us, because the Word of God plants that seed of trust in us to be able to, to enable us to go forward. So I want us to just, um, I want us to, to, to stand real quick. We're going to do a couple of confessions right now uh, on how we apply the Word of God in situations like this. So let's all, let's all stand real quick, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in the confession, and you're just, going to, you're just going to repeat it with faith in your heart after me. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right, let's do this. Let's say Psalm 118 says, yeah, that's how you do it. You say Psalm 118 says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Second Timothy 1 says, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I can't control my emotions. I can control my thoughts because the Holy Spirit inside me whispers God's truth to me. All right, Isaiah 41. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Father, I will not fear. I will not have anxiety because I know you're standing next to me and you are upholding me. Last one, Romans 8.15. The spirit you receive does not make you a slave. That you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that I've received have brought about adoption into sonship. I have a daddy, and he takes care of me. Amen. Let's sit down. Why do we do this out loud? Why do you have to say it, not just think it? Because words interrupt thoughts. And when thoughts are milling around your mind that you cannot get a grip on, the only way to get a grip on it is to start speaking out loud. You interrupt your thoughts with what it should be thinking and focusing about by confessing Scripture, by saying Scripture. So I encourage you, take the Word of God this week and go about saying it over your heart, over your situation. Many of us in here aren't afraid of this coronavirus, but there's been things that you've been battling in your mind. Those are the things God wants you to apply His Word in. And, 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 and confessing it like that breaks the train of thought and it just introduces focus to God so that you can rightly judge who He is in your situation and beat the fear with fear. All right, the third thing that is so important is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And this is why it is so important that we rightly understand who the Holy Spirit is. 
Because the Holy Spirit empowers us in times like these with faith and with boldness to be witnesses for Him. And if you do not understand who the Holy Spirit is and you ignore Him in your life, and you do not want to interact with the Holy Spirit because of, you know, maybe things that have been taught in the past or how things was done in the past, you're literally missing out on strength and power and boldness that God made available to each and every one of us. The Bible says, in, the Bible says that if you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up in your faith. You, how many of you need some faith? I needed some faith this week to go about doing things. You know what I did? I started praying in the Spirit. I started praying in the Spirit and meditating on Scripture at the same time. And it's because I understand who the Holy Spirit is to me that I receive from Him the strength and empowerment that I need to remain standing, even when things are really tough and when things are going crazy around me. And so I want to encourage you. It's time that you really in, in uh, research, that you really become interested in who the Holy Spirit is in your life and start pursuing a relationship not just with God the Father, not just with God the Son, but also with God the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 describes the spirit that God has given us. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Look, if you do not have the spirit of God, you do not have the power of God to go through temptation, to work through challenging situations. Every child of God has the spirit of God. That's how we, we cannot expect a, a person that is not a child of God to have power and have strength against the things that come. But we can expect that of children of God because you have received that power. And it's not just any power. It's a power that describes that it gives us might. It gives us a sound mind. It gives us the ability to respond and not react to things. But you need to know how to, how to operate with the Holy Spirit. You need to know how to interact with the Holy Spirit. And we want to make an opportunity available today before the end of the service that we want to pray with y'all to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It is so necessary in times when we fear that we know how to pray in the Spirit and how to focus and build relationship with the Holy Spirit, to listen to His voice in leadership as in how He guides us. So I want to I close the service, and then after that, we're going to um, ask you, if you, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you can come to the front here. I will be here, my wife will be here, and we'll pray with you. And that is the third key of how we beat fear is by really pressing in into the Holy Spirit and building a relationship with Him and learning how to trust Him. All right, so let's all stand today as we close. Like I said, if you have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you will have the power of God's Spirit residing on the inside of you to combat fear. So many people are fearful and does not have peace because they've never actually become children of God. And religion doesn't make you a child of God. A decision to trust what Jesus did on the cross with all of your hearts and only that makes you become a child of God. It's about belief, not about performance. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never actually, just based on the fact that you've believed in what Jesus did, put your faith in Christ, put your trust in what Jesus did to be saved, to go to heaven one day, to step into a relationship with the Father. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today.
Let's all pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you, if you have not done that and you want to put your faith in Jesus today and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just put up your hand right now? And we're going to pray with you. You're going to pray a prayer of confessing faith in Christ. And the Bible says when you do that, a miracle takes place on the inside of your heart. And He changes your nature from being a sinner to being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, why don't you just put up your hand right now. One, two, three. Let us know that's you and you want to do that today. I know you might be wrestling with this. and This might be something that's new to you. But I want you to know that this is the only way to get saved. Is if you make a personal decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ. A church cannot do this for you. A pastor cannot do this for you, nor any other religious leader for that fact. You have to make a decision to start trusting in Jesus and Him alone. One last time, if you're here today and you've never done that, and you want to say yes to Jesus, put up your hand right now and we'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you, that you keep reminding us of this truth like you say in your word. You're here to guide us into all truth. Every person in this room, Father, and every person listening to this sermon who have not made a decision to finally put their trust in you and you alone for their salvation, I pray that you will guide them by your goodness, Lord, and your mercy to that place where they will make that confession, where they will make that decision to lay aside all of their attempts to prove themselves good or to pay for things that they've done wrong themselves and purely just reach out in faith to how you have paid for us receive salvation from you by your grace. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.